you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Greetings, mortals, and welcome to episode five of a podcast, but evil. I'm Doug Leaf. I'm Dan Oster. And this week we are talking about The Wicked Witch of the West. Ah, you know, I I can't help but note we've got another green woman. That's true. You're right. I didn't even think of that. This is our second green female character. Well, well, next time we pick a female, we'll have to go out of our way to find one of a different color. Yeah, people are going to start saying that we're profiling. That's true. Although, she is not green in the book. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler spoiler for a book from 1900. Um, <laughs> she's not green in the book. In fact, I was thinking we were last time we started off the episode by me quizzing you or asking you to tell me what you knew right. about this character. But this sure. is a but everybody has this the movie in their DNA at this point. Um so I thought rather than ask you what you know about the character from the movie, which everybody knows, I'll see if you know anything about the character from the book. Wow, we've only been doing this twice, this mm-hmm. feature, and now you're already throwing a curveball at me. I, I figured I had to. If I asked you what you knew from the movie, it would be, it would be easy. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Um, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be wrong then if they've made so many changes. So I know that her, she's not green. Right. That. Um, is her real name Elphaba? <laughs> it is not. That is actually uh, not canon. That's just from from Wicked, which we can talk about. But yeah, she is. Uh, that is right. a, 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 the okay. Elphaba is a reference to L. Frank Baum, who wrote the book. Ah, ah I see. Okay, mm-hmm. so is her first name Wicked? She Last has which? She has no name in the book. No name. She's mm-hmm. just the Wicked Witch of the West. She is okay. Just known like by a rapper. Her. Yes, she's just known by her honorific. Okay. Um, well, man, I don't know much about her from the book. I mean, I would only, I would really only guess stuff from the movie. So maybe it's just worth it to. Uh, all right. So how here's is she, th- how is she different in the book? What are her stats? So uh, stats from the book. She is. Uh, she has one eye. Um, oh. Not clear. I don't think she's a cyclops. She she is sometimes depicted that way, but she usually is shown as having an eye patch. Mm-hmm. Um, she she does not ride around on a broomstick. She rides around on an umbrella. <laughs> Which, one, makes her the penguin, but two, kind of makes sense, because just as in the movie, her weakness is water. So you would oh, think an umbrella would be a useful yeah, thing to have. of like dust bunnies. Right. Um, interesting. Rides around in an umbrella. So do we get the stereotype, the vicious stereotype that witches ride around on a broomstick from the book? Or from the movie? Sorry. I don't think so. I think that probably goes back to like Salem. Although I did not look at like uh, you know historical um, okay, depictions so of witches, presumably but yeah. Frank Albaum was trying to flip the script on that one. Uh, perhaps, or he was trying to at least. There's not a lot of justification in the book um, for why water is lethal to her. Um, it's you know even less than in the movie where it comes out of nowhere. Um, but mm-hmm. she is uh, the 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 closest they try to give you is that. She's a dried up old husk, like being evil has dried her up. Mm. And so, and the other thing is just for that general notion that like, oh, water is purifying and she's evil. So that's why water destroys her. 
So, but that's your adjustment. But I guess maybe the umbrella is meant to be kind of a, a a clue to the audience ahead of time that oh, she doesn't like water, and also the the land. So Oz is divided into four quadrants. Um, that the, the it's not just north, south, east, and west. They're actually considered like four different countries within Oz. So her country is called Winky Country, and oh, it is terrifying. Yeah, I know. So the four countries in Oz are: you got Munchkin Land in the east, you've got uh, Gillikin Country in the north, Quadling Country in the south, Winky Country in the west, and the Emerald City's dead center. But uh, you know, so, I but we feel like. Hmm? It takes a lot of great skill when you're inventing a fictional universe to not just have things sound like they were pulled out of your ass. Uh, this might be one of those <laughs> situations where it didn't quite take, you know? Yeah, I, it depends on. I, I didn't get in. I was trying to look for like what was um, Baum's inspiration, and I couldn't find anything other than you know maybe suggesting things like Grimm's fairy tales. Like he's he's definitely working off of a fairy tale um, kind of. I won't say motif, but like, because it's a little longer and more in depth than a fairy tale. But right. definitely, like, she's just a wicked witch. Like, she's not a particularly nuanced character. She's just, yeah. you know, she's uh, the she is just like any wicked witch you'd find in a grim fairy tale. So I sent you a picture time, of those her. Quadrants are she's from Winky Country. Yes. What are the other ones? Uh, Gillikin Country in the north, Quadling in the south, and the Munch Munchkin Land in the east. Okay. And yeah, it's uh, funny because I, you know, uh, the quintessential example to me of of made up. Uh, names that that I grew up with and didn't sound weird to me were all the things in Star Wars, you know? It's like Tatooine. But then I, I start to realize that, like, there's a greedy guy and his name is Greedo. <laughs> right. <laughs> it starts to it starts to slip a little as you get older. What so. was that one? Was I guess sli- there's no avoiding it. There's a sleazebaggio, right? Oh, well, that's in the prequels. Oh, know, that's in the prequels? Like, Elon, like, sleaze... It's like Sleazebagano. It's not quite Sleazebagio, oh. but it's not... Oh, I'm, not you know who I was thinking that. of was um, Salacious B. Crumb, which is also, right. you know, one of those right. names. That's, yeah, right. yeah. that's a little... So, ge- so it, yeah. it definitely happens, uh, but when you're a kid, you don't really notice. And this is a book for children. Right. And so Winky Country, what, uh, the, well, the reason I wanted to mention that is that the land is, like, supposedly kind of dried up. Like, she has cast some sort of a spell to keep it from raining. So, like, the land is just desiccated. Mm. Again, going with water being lethal to her. Um, so that's there. The other thing is she's apparently afraid of the dark in the books. Oh. Which is kind of odd. You and her ca- depth. Yeah, and her castle is like not this foreboding fortress like is shown in the movie. It's more like a beautiful palace and everything's gold. Um, mm. Because gold is kind of the uh, uh, overriding, like that's like a the the color of Winky Country is gold. Each of the you know, it's each, a good thing yeah. there weren't like super fans uh, back in the 30s or whenever this movie came out. It'd just be like, man, totally different. Oh, I'm oh, sure somebody was complaining. Like, there's no way there weren't like angry letters written to MGM Studios about how disappointed they were. It's just yeah, yeah. we don't hear about it. We need a remake. You know, bring you know hashtag bring back the umbrella. Right. They need the the you know deadly accurate um, perfect adaptation. Where they just, yeah, well, actually, yeah. it's funny. when I uh, There was another one, wasn't there? I'm, we're thinking of um, Wicked, but then they made that movie recently, right? Which was, what was it called? Uh, Oz the Great and Powerful? The maybe one with James Franco? Yeah, there was another, yet another one where, like, maybe that was, I'm sure in the uh, production meetings, they were like, look, there's a lot of stuff in this book that no one's even seen before. You know? Well, there's four, there's actually <laughs> four. We're going to do it. There are 14 Oz books. But wow. uh, the witch is dead at the end of the first one, so she doesn't really come back. Oh, okay. Um, there's other adversaries that that appear. 
Um, uh, which like, for example, uh, there's that movie return to Oz, the one that terrified us all as children. Yes. Yeah. Um, the bulk. Right. All of, a, yeah. A lot of that stuff from that movie comes from books two and three. Oh, interesting. So they are, they were mining it, um, for that. I sent you a, I texted you a picture of, uh, the, an illustration of the witch from the book and it is radically unlike, uh, Margaret Hamilton in the movie. Um, let me see if I can look at it. Cause I'm, you know, obviously using this to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, she looks kind of like William H Macy. <laughs> I didn't see it before, but now that's all I see. Uh, yeah, she and, and if you, yeah, and she's got this golden cap with a picture of the monkey on it. And this is an interesting power of hers in the book. So, like in the movies, she commands the flying monkeys. She also has the flying monkeys in the book, but they aren't like her, just like normal servants that work for her. The cap commands them, and she has the and anyone who wears this golden cap can oh. can command three wishes of the monkeys, and so she uses her first one to enslave Winky Country. She uses the second wish to fend off an attempt by the Wizard of Oz to um, depose her and take back Winky Country, and then the third wish she uses to try and stop Dorothy. But that's it. That's uh, like all the monkeys she gets. Oh, okay. Okay. So this really has the qualities of a story that someone was making up on the fly to a to a child. Is that like the There's a little bit of that like and then story. yeah, and then and then and then. Yeah, and then uh three witches uh of the monkeys who you control with a hat. Yeah. Yeah. Um other than that, it's it's fairly similar. The other difference really between the book is not so much the character but the story structure in that um, the, the character in the book is not the sister of the Wicked Witch of the East. So she's not so much invested in her death. Just, she just wants to get the shoes because they are, po- they will increase her power. Um, mm. and so she doesn't appear in the book until Dorothy is, and the, uh, the Scarecrow, Tin Man and the Lion are dispatched to try and take her down. Whereas in the movie, like she appears in Munchkinland, you know, right at the beginning and kind of harries them throughout their journey. Which I think makes so, more, yeah, that's more sensible as an adaptation, so you get to spend time with the character. Right, right. Yeah, so this is interesting. So, you know, it's funny, because we're talking about this character that no one really has any familiarity with in 2020. Um, yeah, we, well, we could I spend, like, yeah. you know, it might be worth it to also explore the the source that we know. Oh, I, th- I definitely think we should spend the the bulk of our time talking about uh, okay. Mar- the Margaret Hamilton version, not the weird monkey hat wearing William H Macy who rides in an umbrella, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, the one you all know and love. Um, yeah. But is there anything else before before I harry us out of here? Is there is there any other details that you think we should know about the book version? No, I, I think those were the, the big differences. Um, the rest, I mean, it's a, again, the, the story is told in a very kind of simple way. I've actually been reading it to my daughter um, one chapter at a time. We haven't gotten to the witch stuff yet. We're, we're only at uh, the Cowardly Lion. But when you went ahead, you read ahead, Doug? I did not. No, I, I read ahead on Wikipedia to, to get oh, okay. up for this. Um, but we've watched the movie a bajillion times uh, of late, which is one of the reasons I thought maybe we would do this, because cuts down on my research time. Because um, <laughs> um, uh, trust me, I've watched the movie enough now to, to know it backwards, as if I didn't know this movie before. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the amazing thing about it. Like This is a movie from 1939, and yet, like, it's ever-present. Like, this is one of those things where, like, every once in a while you get a movie that just becomes timeless. Like, this is a 
a mandatory piece of like being alive. Like you must see this movie. Right. And you know, it's been forever since I've watched it. You've obviously watched it pretty recently. Do you think that it deserves it? Or do you think that it just was like right place, right time? It's both. Um, it okay. is the right. I mean, it is an, it is an astounding technical achievement for its time. Um, I actually remember talking to my grandmother about this because she saw it in the theaters when in 1939, when she was, trying to think how old she was. I think she would have been maybe a teenager at this point mm-hmm. uh, when the movie came out. But she she was you know, remembers very vividly that moment when it goes from uh, sepia to color, and right. being just you know bowled over by that, and how amazing that was. And the movie is you know as a kind of you know a technical achievement is pretty impressive um, in terms of special effects for nineteen thirty nine. The Avatar in 3D of its day, <laughs> it kind of was, um, and yeah. it was a re- it was a response, uh, partly a response to the success of Disney's Snow White, uh, which had come out I think the year before, and there was a lot of like oh, well, and people- this was to be clear, this was MGM that did it. Yeah, MGM did The Wizard of Oz, and but it was the thought was like oh, people are into fantasy movies like this was a big hit so let's do let's what fantasy story can we do mm-hmm. and um the the wizard of oz had actually been done as i think one or there had already been one or two adaptations of it before this one. Oh, interesting yeah i think one was a, they, they might have both been silent movies um but when you, people say the movie of the wizard of oz obviously they only mean this one because this is you know the towering achievement in, of, of an adaptation that it was. But I think it has a lot of things helping it along the way in terms of immortality. It's got absolutely indelible songs that help kind of keep it in your memory. Um, but I was trying the to witch, think of... The witch doesn't have any songs, does she? She does not. No, she. but she That's certainly... But she, this is our first character, I think, or, or thing that we've done where they it has a very distinctive piece of music to go along with it. Mm, like you just hear... Well, yeah, you hear those eight notes. You just hear da 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 da, da and you know exactly oh, right, what it of is. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, and it so that helps to kind of live on. So it's got iconic music. It's got very memorable characters. And I was trying to think of a movie that does what it does better, and I couldn't think of one. Like it is, you know, it's it's got you know it's got a, a, a very well plotted out simple hero's journey. It's perfect for kids. It kind of, but it it kind of holds up. It's sort of this platonic ideal of something so pure and good that it's kind of like, you know, it kind of gets you even when it should be cornball or cheesy. It's it's like got this overwhelming level of sincerity that kind of makes you go like, okay, you know, I'm with you, you know. You know. I'd really honestly rather have too much sincerity than than something that's completely cold and antiseptic, which I feel like we end up getting more of these days, you know, too much focus on the special effects or whatever and not enough on just the stuff that, you know, affects a person. So I, I'll take it. Yeah, and I think there's a level of like, you know, people, their movies have to be kind of detached a little, little bit, like, oh, we wouldn't want to emotionally invest too much. You know, we're going to be super snarky through most of this movie. Right. And like The Wizard of Oz does not do that. No, it's um, certainly not I, commenting on itself. No, but I mean, it does have something to say. It's not like it's devoid of any kind of comment on this on society at large. I mean, the entire crux of the story ends up being that the Wizard of Oz is you know, a, a fraud, and I think that right. that I mean that says a that ignore the man behind the curtain. Um, that is a very powerful sentiment that kind of echoed long after the movie of like, okay, that's you know that is. The shorthand for a charlatan. Well, if the wizard himself is really just a you know a con man, um, like one could ever achieve great power, 
Mm-hmm. What uh, what does the witch herself uh, represent? Well, the way that do you think? I think the way they do it in the movie. I mean, they make they go out of their way. Here's a difference from the book and the movie. Um, in the book, Oz is a real place that Dorothy goes to. In the movie, they make it very clear that this is a dream, right? That she, you know, she hits her head. And all you know the the key people she meets right. there. And you were there, and you were there, you right? Were there. They're all ver- and, and, and you, not so much, but you were there, <laughs> right? Um, and she wakes up from it. Um, but I think there's a lot about the witch being, you know, this is a version of the woman who she is scared of in the beginning of the movie, and this is just a random co- a teacher, isn't she, or something? No, she. Oh. So she is the the like uh, a rich lady in town named Mrs. Gulch. And at the beginning of the movie, her goal she's she's got a court order to have Toto killed because Toto bit her. <laughs> and the the no, this is true. So no, you forget, like you forget about yeah, it. Yeah. You totally forget this piece of the puzzle because it it seems like it's not that important. You're like what? Because you're a kid and you watch it and you go right. Mean old lady hates the dog. Got it. Um, no, but she has a court order for Toto to be destroyed because Toto bit her. And that's why Dorothy runs away is she doesn't want anything bad to happen to Toto. And then right. when when by the time she gets back, the tornado is happening. But it's interesting. This is like this was a thing too, because in It's a Wonderful Life, it reminds me of Potter, you know, people using the mechanisms of government to do evil things. Well what's here's uh, cr- what's funny to me, I guess not really funny, but that problem is unresolved at the end of the movie. So she yeah, so she wakes up from still, her dream. Yeah, there's still a court yeah. order for Toto to die at the yeah, end so of the movie. The sequel is Dorothy and Toto on the run. Yes. As fugitives from justice. Right. Um, but right, but, but okay, getting back to your original yeah. question, which is like, why I, it's it's that I think, you know, the witch obviously represents someone Dorothy is dealing with in real life. That this is like, you know, oh, she doesn't just want to kill the dog now. She is coming after you. Per- you know, she's going to kill you. Yeah. And I'll get harm- you, my pretty. And your and little, your dog, little dog, dog, too. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I, I, one of the things I like about her in the movie is that, like, I don't know what the opposite of the save the cat moment is. Uh, you know what you would call that in screenwriting? But like right, everyone's right. every, everyone's yeah. in a while, well, yeah. to define it, it this is this yeah. is uh That's true. God, what's the name what's the name of the guy who who wrote it? Book, do you remember? I don't know. Yeah, well I know he wrote uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. So obviously oh, you can take geez. anything he tells you to the bank. <laughs> but <laughs> he he maintained that not enough screenplays have a save the cat moment in which the hero does something like saving a cat to show the audience that they are the hero. Right. There is whatever the villain version of that is, the kill the cat moment. Right. Strangle um, the cat. Strang- yeah. So you, every villain, obviously, they have to show them doing something villainous or you know, trying to do something terrible. But I think every once in a while you get a villain that like will do something over the top as a mic drop. And you're like, oh, I didn't expect them to take it that far. Mm-hmm. You know, like Game of Thrones is full of that stuff, right? right. Where it's just like, oh... Oh, okay. This is serious. You mean business. You're not just any villain. You're a serious villain. And I think they do a good job of that with her kind of coming in at the beginning and literally basically saying, I, you know, I will kill you for your shoes. You know, she, you know, she is not screwing around. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tell you immediately, like, the Munchkins have all been under the Wicked Witch of the East thrall until recently. And, sh- and the Wicked Witch of the West is even worse. In and some fashion. again, those that need a refresher, when Dorothy lands in Oz, her house is dropped on on top of the Wicked Witch of the East, right? And uh, and the, who's who wears the the slippers, right? Yes, the, she's yeah. which are uh, they're silver in the book. 
But not that that matters. But I do think it it kind of goes to the same thing as like why do they make the witch green? I imagine it's because the movie is supposed to be kind of a Technicolor showcase, right? It's like why we can do silver, why but show people red, yeah, ruby, yeah, yeah, really show off that and 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 green for her. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, I I think that it's interesting that they went with kind of like this super bright green too because i i'm i the version i saw i'm watching a high def modern you know i'm sure was a restoration so you get the idea of like oh because she's not just like green if you remember like she is fucking green like it is it is green it is like a really like bright uh kind of harsh green color yeah that which definitely if, if they didn't give us the broomstick as a transportation vehicle they certainly gave us witches being green i feel like you know around halloween well you think about like almost any like depiction of a witch that comes after this and it's generally this yeah the uh, big you know, old the pointy black you know, nose and yeah does she have a wart i uh, she might yeah i don't remember if she has a, she, she probably does, does. But anyway yeah um, not a visible one <laughs> And she's effectively like scary. Like as an adult, I don't obviously don't find her scary, but my daughter does, and she's almost four. Yeah. And you know, it's like okay, th- it works. Like it, you know, she is. You know, she's threatening. She you know shows she's remorseless. Um, she does. She she has supernatural powers that are not entirely defined, which makes it hard to know what she could or could not do at mm. any moment. So the only ones we see her do, we obviously see her fly on the broomstick. We also see her teleport. Um, oh, she teleports? Yeah, like she appears in like a pillar of smoke in Munchkinland okay. and then disappears in a pillar of smoke right. in Munchkinland. So she can teleport. She can shoot fireballs. We see her do that a couple of times to the scarecrow. There's a Yeah, so it's, she's pretty much just a bag of tricks. You never know what she's going to do. The Oh, the witch, oh here's one uh, that you, don't, you may not know from the book. So the Tin Man's origin story is fucked up. Um, but this is, this is actually the Witch of the East who did this. But she... Mm. Uh, so, uh, Tin Man is in love with a uh, Munchkin gal, uh, Whoa, and he is, and, he, and he's, okay. a fl- he's a, he's a, he's a uh, land fever. He's a flesh, no, he's a flesh and blood person, and yeah. the girl's mother doesn't approve. But like a, but like a human and a Munchkin. I mean, that's you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Does yeah. that make me? Horrible? You know, I mean, for 1939, you know, Earth 1900, that was a big deal. Was well, a Munchkin. I'm talking about a yeah. Munchkin. They're not real. Okay, go right. ahead. Anyway, so uh, so mom does not approve of the this. lollipop guild after this one. Jeez, <laughs> I have a lollipop guild thing to share too. When we get done with this, but so okay. Um, the uh, so she goes to the Wicked Witch of the East and says, "What can you do for me?" The Wicked Witch of the East enchants the woodman's uh, tin woodman's axe, so it cuts off his leg. So he goes oh, to wow. so he goes to get a tin leg as a replacement, and it keeps hacking off body parts until he's all tin. That's really his fault. Yeah, you know, hack off one limb, shame on you. Hack off two limbs. Shame. Right? How many? How many times does this have to happen before you go? Maybe it's the axe. Yeah. Uh, but and still, when is it gonna hang off? You know, uh, my little my little woodsman. But that's really freaking uh, gruesome. Yeah, that is gruesome. That's a mm-hmm. weird thing. That's 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 total nineteen. You know, early nineteen hundreds kids books for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's this is going in. So you can um, see why they right. didn't put that in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be a, that would be a lot. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so in the movie, she's got kind of a legitimate grievance. Well, she killed Dorothy. Did kill her sister. Yeah, I mean, it was an accident. Yeah, 
It's manslaughter at best. Well, it's also yes. It's it's, it's, it's you know domiciliary it's manslaughter. Vehicular manslaughter. It's like domicidal yeah. <laughs> manslaughter. Right. Which slaughter? Uh, it's it, well. Also, they they try to make a point that like the shoes are critical for her. That you know they are powerful in some way that we don't fully understand. But they sort of try and make it like the one ring a little bit. Like if she gets her hands on the shoes, she'll be unstoppable. Okay. In some way. Her ensemble will be... Complete. Too much. It'll just yeah. be... She'll be on fire. Right. <laughs> uh, but kind of interesting is if... Like, this is like this is the first villain we've done that, again, really isn't that nuanced, right? This is a, this is a fairy tale villain. She is just wicked and evil through and through. Um, and yet, like, you know, an absolutely kind of... Uh, all time great. I this is our second villain from uh, the AFI um, list of top villains. I, I went and looked. They put out a list of like the fifty greatest heroes and the fifty uh, best villains, and we've done two. Uh, the other one was Dracula, but Wicked Witch of the West is number four on the list, mm-hmm. behind only Darth Vader, Norman Bates, and Hannibal Lecter. And so that tells all something. People, that, we should do absolutely. But it's interesting all that great she's. Choices. But it's interesting that she's that high on the list. Like she's number well, four. Uh, why do you think that is, Douglas? I, I mean, my it may just be the strength of the movie that she's in. It may be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it has to do with I think the fact that like there's a bit of an all ages appeal to her. That you know, the, mm-hmm. you're not going to show a kid Psycho or Silence of the Lambs. But like this could very well be like your first vi- movie villain that you've ever seen, as, a, as you know. And it might explain our national aversion to powerful women. <laughs> Although the, this the, is what you're raising children on. Oh, the movie actually does have its share. But you've got Dorothy, who's you know your your lead character, and you've got Glinda as well in there. So you know you're not devo- mm-hmm. and and the, and the most powerful man turns out to be uh, a hoax or a, a, yeah. a charlatan. Full so shit. Yeah, well, it's a good point. I take it all back. Although, you know, we certainly are capable of watching something and taking the wrong message from it. Yeah. Um, okay, so wh- you you think she endures because people get her early on in their life. You, you, you're exposed to this this character early on, and she's very, uh, you know, very clearly drawn. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's obviously, look, she's, the, the iconography of her is extremely memorable. Um, the voice, the the music that accompanies her, like so, she's got kind of all right. of these things that go music, with her. Outfit, voice, all of it, yeah, yeah. And it, also, she's going after you know your your dog, which if you're a kid, especially you know, if you have a pet, obviously that's going to be scary. It's like unnecessarily cruel, right? Mm-hmm. And she's so then she know. would be she would be cha- chaotic evil. I think she definitely fa- f- falls more into the line of chaotic evil because there's clearly just this is sadistic right. on her part, and there's might be some lawful evil more so in the book version of that she's you know she's trying to subjugate Oz. Yeah, and also Mrs. Gulch seems like a lawful evil because she well, but also she's kind of taking pleasure in getting the dog put down. <laughs> she is, but she's but I think you're right. More more likely than not, I think you have to classify. She's her using as the chaotic. mechanisms of of the system to do it. Right. Oh well, Gulch. Yeah, I would definitely. But I think the Wicked Witch probably more chaotic evil than than anything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Um, she just gets off on it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can. T- she's like cackling the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cackling is a clear sign that you are enjoying being evil. Yeah. You don't see a lot of heroes cackling. She does. I mean, look, she tries to stop them all with opium, basically, halfway through the movie. Oh, what? If you remember, so after they meet the Cowardly Lion, before they get to the Emerald City, they go through this field of poppies. Oh, and wow. you know, she I really puts them. Seen this in a very long time. Yeah, and she tries to certainly put, not since I've started taking opium. She tries to put them to sleep <laughs> in the field full of poppies. Uh, I get you. And the only reason it doesn't one, she, it doesn't work on the Tin Man or the Scarecrow because they're not biological. Um, but I also, they, Glint. I love that they thought that through. That's cool. yeah. And that, and then Glinda intervenes and like wakes them all back up. In the book, they try to make it clear, and I think they do this a little bit in the movie that um, Dorothy is sort of under Glinda's protection, which means the witch like can't direct kill her directly. She has to like try and find other ways to to stop her. Oh, so they're like organized crime. Yeah, that's right. She's got <laughs> Dorothy's a as a made man. You're right. <laughs> I think that well, actually, you know, now you say that, I, going back, like because she's a little girl. Uh, yes, in the movie, it's weird because you have like Judy Garland, who is you know clearly you know post pubescent, <laughs> playing right. this character who's like supposed to be probably like nine years old in the book, so her age is a little mm-hmm. indeterminate. But still, you're. Go- I think that's part of it. Is that, right? You've got someone who's supposed to be very powerless and naive going up against someone who is extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about like a lot of characters. Like protagonists can come across really milk toast if it's like, well, they are kind but good and decent but you know caring. You know, like those aren't much in the way of character traits, right? But it works if you put that character into a situation where you put that worldview like to the ultimate strand. Like Frodo Baggins is a good char- example of that, right? Like Frodo's mm. thing is he's kind but good. But when he's up against the end of the fucking world and he's carrying, you know, the the ring of evil that just weighs his soul right, down, right. like then it Is works. It enough, yeah. Can yeah. that kind of purity survive? Yeah, that's the only way that character trait can be interesting in that's a protagonist. A yeah, I think that's a good point. And and Dorothy's because I kind think of it that. gets to a it gets to a fundamental question that we all have inside of us which is is that even is that something that's even possible does that even survive could could you resist it you know yeah can people really be good you know that good that pure is that is that even possible and you know when it's a child or a a hobbit Mm -hmm. i guess it makes a little bit more sense and and especially like you said a child here because it makes her extra vulnerable to to whatever the witch is gonna do to her okay so the witch wants she wants revenge, but really she wants the shoes, um, right? And because the shoes are basically going to give her supreme power, uh, so she's a yet another power hungry villain. Yawn. Um, but she gets uh, a rewrite in the very popular musical Wicked, based on the popular book of the same name. Oh, it was a book first, huh? It, it was a so book. This first. is like Grendel, right? This is when we, you know, which is the bad guy in Beowulf. They so they take. The uh, a character that we've all grown up thinking was a, the bad guy, and we're gonna we're gonna show you the world from their perspective, and you're gonna see how actually they're not so bad at all. Yeah, misunderstood. And I like Wicked. I, I, Celeste is now into that too. She's been listening to the songs over and over again. She really likes it, um, and it's fun. I, I don't think it is. You couldn't actually like watch Wicked and then go watch this movie and go like, oh, this is definitely happening in the margins like there's too many things where it's like no right it's basically a complete retcon yeah 
Yeah, it, you, they they aren't perfectly compatible, but that's okay because it's still you know, it's fun. It's not like um, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't quite sync up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I enjoyed it. I think it's you know out of all of those kind that's become kind of a cottage industry, right? Of like, oh well, what if the bad guy was really the good guy? Sure. But based on but this is one of the earlier ones to do it. So I think when you because like when Joker you, being the most recent example. Yeah, although I wouldn't say that movie makes him the hero. No, but it's his you know his perspective anyway. Yeah, that's uh, true. I'm sorry. What were, what were you saying about Wicked? Oh, just that, you know, when you're the first one to kind of get out there and plant your flag, like the you know you you get the the pass. In other words, once it starts to become a um, right. a cliche, but I think it yeah, does a like, good job. Since she's clearly not a villain in that, you know, we don't really need to talk about that incarnation too much. I think, if I recall, I did see Wicked a long time ago. She's it, it's kind of um, is it is it? I mean, it's it's prejudice against her. Part I mean, the fact that she's green, I think, comes up. Like, isn't it kind of, she's sort of treated, it's like racism in a way, isn't it? That's part of it. Uh, that people are sort of just looked down on her because she's green. Yeah. And she would yeah. like to be ungreened. But the main thrust of like the plot, like basically how she ends up coming into conflict with the Oz government is that she is, it's, she's basically an animal rights activist. Oh, that okay. like the, I forget all of the machinations of the plot, but the an, the animals in Oz are they have the power of speech and are losing it somehow, somehow that's being taken away from them by, I guess the wizard or his, his folks. And then she ends up accidentally creating the flying monkeys, something like that. She casts a spell that goes wrong um, and, and causes that to happen. So they, they think she's, they, they try the Aussian press release is that, you know, she's this evil, Okay. Um, monster that's trying to do overthrow the government needs to be uh, stamped out. Okay, but I, I I cannot recall all the finer points of the the plot. Fake news. Fake news. Um, all right, all right. So that's that's her in Wicked, and then I mean she's the, as you said there have been many incarnations. You know, silent films. Then there was that that Oz the Great Powerful movie that really nobody saw, which I guess that one was from the wizard's perspective. This was like how he got to. How he got to be there, I think, right? Uh, this was uh, James well, Franco. Yeah, and I have seen it, but uh, I did see it in the way that it was meant to be seen, which is on an airplane. Because uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think it's probably required that if you're going to see that movie, it was it was because you were trapped in a flying tube. In sure. The sky. And gosh, there was even a miniseries recently that was called like Tin Man. I mean, like yeah, they just every character is going to get their own version of events i think every once in a while that you know somebody's like oh we got to do an oz thing I, you know it's a it's a fictional world that's fun of it like there's yeah, that uh yeah. there was a version of her in um what's it, that show called once upon a time mm-hmm. right so they did they did some oz stuff and they have the wicked witch in there and they have their own like origin story for her right, right um right. so they it, well i mean that says something there right that this, this material is compelling enough that people want to keep coming back they want to revisit you know take the the toys out and kind of play with them their own way uh, yeah. and rewrite things. So what's scary about the wicked witch? What 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 makes her particularly scary? Uh she commands uh you know overwhelming force, mm-hmm. right? Both both from her like her troops, her uh her mm-hmm. monkeys and everything else. So she's extremely powerful. Uh she's got magic at her disposal. She can fly all of the things she she right. Un- all- she's unpredictable. She's right. She's unpredictable. For that reason. I think it's also that she is ruthless. Like, and, and you're not going to negotiate with her, right? She's just like, 
um, there is no like decent side of her that you can appeal to. Right. I mean, Wicked is in the name. Right. But she's not like we've. I mean, we, you to look at someone like Al Capone that we did last time. Like you could strike a deal with Capone. You could work with him and try to avoid right, his right, wrath. Right. You know? But with the Wicked um, Witch, she she once once you're on her shit list. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Like there is. She's gonna come at you until she gets you, or you dump a bucket of water on her. Right. That's that's exactly right. Like she, there, I think, and the, the idea of something that is remorseless and won't stop. Like you look at the thing. Right, that's what's scary about that. Again, you're not going to negotiate with that either. It's just going to keep coming at you. And mm-hmm. she makes it quite clear in the movie that that's what's going to happen. Right, like she keeps appearing over and over as there. She's making her way down the yellow brick road. Like all of a sudden, she's there and she's throwing fireballs at you. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, it's that unpredictability. I'm going to say that that is scary. I mean, that coupled with the fact that she's persistent. You know, she's yeah. just going to come at you and you don't know how, which is very. Uh, very unsettling for people to not know the future, not knowing what's going on, you know? That's a very primal thing. Yeah. They don't I, react well to that. They start stocking up on toilet paper. Right. <laughs> I, I think also there's the, again, going back to the idea of, like, this could be your first villain as a kid. Like, she is, um, she's not just ruthless, but kind of like, you know, as a kid, it's hard to conceive you hope, you know, if you're, unless you're growing up, as long as you're growing up in a decent, relatively normal household, that this kind of evil even exists in the world. Like, you know, your world as a kid is like, yeah, people are nice to you. You know, we go get ice cream and right, then we play. Right. And then, no you know, one's going to, no one's going to threaten your dog. Right. You're not, you can't even conceive of like, someone's going to say like, no, I'm going to murder you and your dog <laughs> yeah. to get your, you know, like this right. bright green, you know, monster hey, is going to get hey. you. She just happens to be green. That's true. <laughs> Um, and that's so, purely for aesthetic reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I think that's that all makes sense as to why she would endure. And she, you know, a lot of these villains we talk about, they're the most pure, distilled version of a concept. Yeah, you know, um, and so that that to me is like, yeah, just somebody who's just who's just your enemy. I mean, who just is just says you, I want you, and I'm. Coming after you. She's a bully, she, right? Like she's, she's her, a bully. You yeah. know what? That's it. She's a bully. She's the quintessential bully. That's, that's a, what she is. And yeah. and you're showing it to kids. So they, they that's like a lot of their first experiences with a bully. Yeah. Um, who has magical powers. The worst kind of bully. Really. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think that kind of covers everything I, I wanted to talk about with her. I guess we should probably do the the battle, right? So this would be the, the our Wicked title fight. The West versus in one corner. corner we have the wicked witch of the west and in this corner al capone <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it doesn't look good for al i'll be honest i mean he has the real disadvantage of coming from the natural world yeah he, right he doesn't he can't fend her off with magic uh, i mean the good news for him is that sh- she is very easy to kill in one key respect yeah if he if he just had a squirt tommy gun he'd be yeah. able to take her out but i have yeah right exactly unless you know this like dorothy only manages to do it by total accident yeah which you know narratively is a little unsatisfying the way you'd sort of laid it out that she like had an umbrella in the book and like you know, came from a desiccated land and all that stuff. That makes more sense. It's in the movie. It is a little like, oh, that's one way to write your way out of a problem. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know? It just sort of happens. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, 
also vulnerable to bullets. Um, yeah, well, there's yeah, nothing I, that suggests she would be invulnerable to normal, you know, physical violence. So, I mean, maybe so a Tommy gun would reason, be enough. But you're saying the only reason she doesn't just come and, like, Wally stomp Dorothy is that Glint, she's under Glinda's protection. Right. Glinda has cast some sort of a spell on her. Okay. I got yeah. it. I got it. Capone goes to Glinda <laughs> and, you know, proposes an alliance. <laughs> That's how he does it. And so, he, you know, he gets he gets under the protection of, of Glinda and then is able to, you know. Well, she wants uh, in on that, you know, booze distribution racket. Well, of course. He's going <laughs> to have to cut. He's going to have to cut Glinda in on that for sure. Right. Um, She's got, you know, poofy dresses to pay for. <laughs> <laughs> right. That bubble doesn't uh, come cheap. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, realistically, though, of course, I mean, you know. If, it, it, with, without any help, I mean, the, the witch would just come and, you know, zap him, and I think that would be about it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think her supernatural power is probably going to carry the day. But what I would definitely like to see is an all-out mob war between Capone's gang and the Flying Monkeys. That would be worth seeing. That would be cool to see. Yeah, Flying Monkeys versus uh, Tufts. Yeah, you just <laughs> just shooting them out of the air. <laughs> <laughs> That would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, provided that we could get, that we could somehow make that happen, I think it would be a pretty, pretty awesome battle. Yeah. Um, but in the end, I'm going to give the witch the uh, the edge there. Although okay. I, between their two armies, I mean, I do want to say that the guys, <laughs> the guys with the automatic weapons, probably have the edge. But yeah, yeah, because the monkeys themselves don't seem to have anything other than like biting and clawing and maybe poop flinging, which we don't see. Oh, before we go, one last thing. I did mention there was a thing about the Lollipop Guild uh, that I... Oh, thank God you remembered. I can't not bring this up because now... I can't not bring this up because after seeing it, it was like, I I can't believe that this is weird. Um, So uh, the the Wicked Witch of the East is killed. Uh, Glinda appears to Dorothy and then starts telling the Munchins, come out, come out, wherever you are. And they start kind of appearing from doors and things. And the blue member of the lot, the one who's dressed in blue from the Lollipop Guild, when you first see him, he is emerging from the Munchkin sewer. Mm. (laughs) It's just like, I never noticed it before. It was like, there's a manhole in the middle of like Munchkin town and he comes out from underneath it, which implies. I mean, he was hiding. He was hiding. But it implies that the Munchkins have a sewer system and he either like lives or works down there. They have Munchkin toilets and. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You didn't think, you thought they didn't? You thought that they. I don't know. They're a pre-industrial society mostly. So, you know, I don't Mm. know that they have Munchkin or Aussie and plumbing. punky in a way that they have like kind of advanced sewage technology. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they do in the Emerald City. But anyway, I just found that to be very, like the first time I saw it, like I couldn't. I was like, how did I not well, notice that you know, before? Well, different uh, societies advance at different rates, and the Munchkins just yep. happened to get a you know, head start on that. Uh, okay, well, uh, that concludes uh, the Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, she, she's, she's great. I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Uh, there's no place like home. Uh, if, uh, if you like this podcast and why wouldn't you uh we would love it if you could give us a, a, a review on itunes that would be awesome uh and if you want to get in touch with us we really want to hear from you guys so go find us on twitter at podcast underscore but haha uh, <laughs> it's never going to stop being mm-hmm. cheeky um but look for podcast but evil on twitter and find us there and uh let us know what you think let us know what you want us to cover uh we just want to interact with you uh and uh until next time gentlemen to evil clink <laughs>